Welcome to Living Box Free. Our mission is to help you break out of the box of worldly expectations. We're here to help you find your unique journey to a healthy, fulfilled life. Welcome back to the Living Box Free podcast. Becky here. I have Ash in the background. She's actually not going to be behind the mic today because we have a special guest. We have been talking about an array of different leadership topics and a special guest came to mind, Jim Bishop. We're going to have him introduce himself here in just a moment. And uh, we decided, Jim, he's been coaching people for quite some time. He has been a coach to me some through my Elenco career and is continuing to expand his touch points with leaders. So we have brought Jim in today to talk to us about leadership. Big topic. We're going to see which direction we go. (laughs) Jim, welcome. Thank you, Becky. Thank you. All right. Just like all of our podcasts, we're going to start with what's on the rise for you this week. Hmm. What's on the rise? Um, Five kids, back to school season, Um, state fairs coming. We're actively involved in 4-H, lots of activity going on there, lots of panic in our house, and just trying to find mind space. Lots of panic. <laughs> I remember before County Fair being like, what arts and crafts project am I going to do? <laughs> yeah. Do we have enough post, post-it notes and paper in the house for to make posters, or do we have enough uh, supplies to feed the pigs or things yeah. like that? So. Yeah. Well, I hope that the panic calms down and everything goes well at the State Fair. Uh, I have on the rise for me this week. It is child care. We've had a nanny in our house for some time and the little guy is about to turn a year old and it has been really hard at the last, the first day we set him down and he had this big smile and he looked around at all these other little kids. And then the last few days it's been clinging to our shirt and crying. And so that has felt like a dagger in the heart. Mm, that's hard stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I know it's good for him and their professionals and they've taken care of way more children than me. <laughs> But it has been hard. But you're still mom. Yes, yes. So it is really exciting to go pick him up when he sees you. He lights up. Yeah, that's the best part about being yeah. a parent is when they run to you at the end of the day. Yes, and those hugs. So that's Enjoy it while it lasts because my teenagers are at that point where they think dad doesn't have a lot of knowledge or huggability oh. anymore. So. Oh, no. <laughs> I do not want to think of that that day. <laughs> I'm going to soak this up. Uh, I know Ash is in the, lurking in the background here, but I have to give her a shout out. She has taken four steps on her hands and we are going to be better about getting it on video except every time I say I'm going to videotape Ash she says I won't be able to do it (laughs) once the video is going which I get is way harder with that pressure that's big stuff we'll look forward to that Instagram post (laughs) yeah Uh, okay let's jump in Jim thank you for being here Uh, let's start off giving our listeners a little bit of the background tell us about who you are, what you've done. You've already told us you have five kids, so you're probably like a master parent. (laughs) You're dealing with county fairs and state fairs. Oh, my goodness. A master parent, no. I would not (laughs) add that title to my resume. Um, One in learning and one in growth. Probably more leadership lessons from parenthood than anything else. But um, I'll give you the the quick snapshot. So Indiana farm kid by background. Um, Grew up here in Indiana. Love of agriculture. Um, always thought that's what I was going to do for a career. Went into science, um, bachelor's, master's, both from Purdue. Um, I had an active 4-H career myself, which explains some of the county fair experiences and the leadership stuff that started early on in my life. And then from there, moved on to um, working in the scientific field for a, quite a long time. And I 
did that in a couple of ways. One was in more technical consulting with um, genetics, specifically in the agriculture and animal space. And then after, while I was in that experience, I recognized there was just something that like the science was exciting, but the people problem was the problem that people couldn't solve. Um, constantly leaders of those organizations were asking me for things that I had never been trained in or really had experience in too much about how to hire, how to re- uh, retain, how to pay, how to incentivize employees, how to even put training packages in front of them. So I just started consulting with a lot of different people. I started bringing in HR colleagues and that provided a service to these customers so that we could eventually earn time and earn their trust. Um, and over the time, I'm like, this is pretty cool and this is an unmet need. So I started pivoting my career a little bit from the science, learning more about leadership, learning more about organizational structure. Um, and honestly, just being a student of people, learning quite a lot more around um, adult education, adult learning. Why do people want this stuff? And um, long story short, ended up uh, genetically trained, but working in leadership development. So, And I, I always forget the first time I met you was during uh, my FFA time. And Jim actually did a personality training for mm-hmm. my teammates and I. And yeah, that's gosh, that was so long ago. But that's <laughs> the first time I met Jim. And then we crossed paths again at Alenco and CrossFit, actually. I actually did not know you were more in the technical side at first. I am. My master's, um, most people are surprised, but my master's is in reproductive physiology so and behavior. Uh, my intention at that point was to try to help explain why uh, animals are responding to certain stimuli differently. So too many people at that point in time were also complaining that the way that we raised animals was harmful or hurtful. Mm -hmm. So I started looking at hormonal profiles in animals to determine what was actually going on in their body instead of, because we can't really ask them if they're happy or sad, but we could determine that. So, Oh, I would love for that to be another (laughs) podcast. (laughs) A whole other day about how did the guy who learned to study pig hormones become a guy that helps leaders grow. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, very cool. Yeah. I just learned something. I did not know that's what you studied. Well, let's, let's have some fun. What would you say are three words that describe you? Uh, yeah. Um, I thought a lot about this question and I, I, the three words are also the three words that I've chosen to kind of define the elements of what I believe is the growth process. So disrupt, um, bridge and grow. Um, most people want the growth. Um, the pieces that they're a little more uncomfortable with is the disruption of unlearning what they already learn or getting comfortable with something they don't they don't quite yet know Um, and then the bridging between those two things how to bring what is old and what is new into a um, a new sentence so I I think that's been the the theme of my life I mean part of my backstory too is I'm a middle child so I always felt like I was trying to bridge my older sister and my younger brother and bring I don't really say peace but bring new ideas to the forefront um, I found myself then trying to wrestle with, am I a scientist or am I in agriculture or am I in a people role? And those were two things that I had to kind of resolve. Um, I was actively involved with both sports and then I was actively involved with uh, leadership events and 4-H stuff. And I had to try and figure out, like, how do I put all of that in a package? Because my basketball coach wanted me to be really good at basketball and my 4-H leaders wanted me to be really good at 4-H leaders. And if I just followed what they wanted me to do, I wasn't really following who I was. So um, by the process of disrupting, bridging, and growing, I think what I've labeled that as is being able to find the and and just putting the and in the middle of those two tensions. So, As an Enneagram 3 that speaks to me, (laughs) (laughs) because I think a lot of people, and gosh, 
that whole what other people in your life want you to do. Oh, you'd be, you're so tall. You're great. You're coordinated. You'd be great at basketball and wanting to please people, but bridging, what are you passionate about? And I love disrupt. I think that's a, that's a fun word. <laughs> and cause I mean, you think uh, the first thing that popped in my mind was out of your comfort zone, like mm-hmm. disrupting your comfort, your routine. And that's the only way you get growth. So those, those three words you said is that's how you live out your life or those three words that kind of are part of your purpose statement, or how do you use those? Yeah, um, I would use them to describe myself. I would use it also to describe the process that I've gone through to Mm -hmm. kind of come to the realization that even though I was trained in this and had a background in this and was raised in a certain way, that this is the person that I am. And it had to come with a lot of disruption, bridging, and growing. When I also got to the point of kind of forming this business entity and saying, what is it about? I chose those three words as a way to describe also to other people what this business was about and what my mission in life was, was to help people get to that growth aspect that they really want. But in order to do that, there's some uncomfortable learning and unlearning that has to disrupt that. And mm-hmm. I, I, I found a lot of leaders over time really just want the growth. They're not really willing to go through the the sometimes the hurt, the turmoil, the pain, the anxiety even, or the events that cause us to disrupt our our experience. And I think if the last 18 months of this pandemic have taught us anything is we've all had to get a little disruptive with the things we once knew to get to a place where we can start making sense of it all again. So, Yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, so speaking of, you just mentioned your business. So tell us about this business that you've started I love that we've already shared with us three words that you're using as pillars in that business, but tell us more. Yeah. Um, so I have, I grew up in kind of corporate America, um, pretty traditional background sales, um, marketing, sales leadership, um, pivoted a little bit from that sales leadership role because I realized in all of my background and experience of working with people, I really liked that. So I started working in more of the leadership development space, training, um, putting programs together, pretty much wrote content that someone else had produced that we would deliver and make business-centric by our facilitation. Um, I think it's a little bit of your your experiences too. We have some background in that together. So, um, and over time, what I what I just kind of realized was there we were doing a great job and we as facilitators could pour our hearts and soul into making that program as good as possible. And as much as they wanted to, people would come to it and maybe still go home to an ineffective leader or a bad culture or a bad situation at work. And they would never use the content because it was, they hadn't yet gotten to the point of growth. They had just gotten to some of the disruption phase. Um, And so I really started getting more passionate about what is coaching and how do you help people individually make life choices or career choices that are going to better them, not just in the work environment, but that would make them a better whole person. Um, so I did that for a while in our, in an executive coaching role inside of a company. And then, um, the shifts in the term oil of COVID just started erupting. And part of that was structural things at work were shifting, but part of that also was a bubbling inside of me just to say at this point in time in this world, there's such a need for, for a pivot and a different way of us doing life in general, but culture 
you know, people were fighting, whether it's politics, right? You know, two sides of the spectrum, two sides of the aisle, or it may be a lot of the social justice issues that were going on and people trying to resolve, well, you can't be a conservative if you're, if you're wrestling with this factor, or you have to be like this, if this is the way that you were raised, or maybe it's because you live in the Midwest, this is the person that you need to vote for, right? And I just felt like too many people were putting the or in the middle of their sentences. It's either this or that. Um, and all of that kind of bubbled up inside of me at the same time just to say, okay, what is the gift that you can give the world and what's going to make you come alive? Um, it was at that point I just chose to say, let's let's launch a business. Um, I had had a coaching practice on the side for probably three years prior to that. I had some clients that I'd been working with pretty intensely at all different levels, um, some of them at very high levels. Um, and I had been getting paid for that, but I just hadn't put a brand or a name to it. And I never, I hadn't really thought about it at this point in time. I thought about it as a plan B, maybe retirement days. Um, but it just felt like the pandemic was the time that it, this, uh, this got birthed. So Conjunction Leadership was born officially, I think, November 16th of 2020 um, was when the name was given. Um, and it was really because of the wrestling that I was having of how do I do this or that? And I realized there was a way to put the and in the middle of that sentence. And so the name conjunction came because of me helping find my own and, mm-hmm. um, helping realize that but or or were putting impossibilities in front of me where I felt like I needed to be in a box. Um, and because of the and, you were able to break, I was able to break out of the box and kind of become who I wanted to be and what gift I wanted to give the world. So that's the business that I have today. Uh, work with clients individually, one-on-one. Um, some teamwork as well as mostly team coaching, less than team training, um, and some organizational work too, just of helping workplaces build a, a workplace culture that's going to develop the whole person, not just help them be more productive as an employee. I love that you said breaking out of the box. Yeah. Ah, did you plant that? That this was perfect. This is why I'm attracted to your podcast, <laughs> Living yeah. Box Trees. That's what we're all about, being your authentic self. And you, gosh, the way you recap 2020 and how many of us felt the or, you have to be this way or that way, that was very beautifully put and mm. the power of and, and now you're living that out because yeah. of and. I think that's awesome. I was wondering how you got the name Conjunction. Yeah, I was yeah. I was wrestling. I mean, it's one of those things, you know, you've worked in marketing, trying to brand this and what is it going to be and how are kind of people reacting to it? Um, I personally have a coach and I was working with her one day and I'm like, this is what I'm wrestling with and I don't know what to do. And yeah. she said, well, do you want to be in pharmaceuticals or do you want to be in agriculture? And when she posed those two things to me, I realized, wait a minute, I'm not sure those that's the only thing that I want to do. Yeah. Like, I want the and in the middle of it because the problems that I'm seeing, I've worked both in agriculture, I've worked in animals and I've worked in, in uh, human health. I, I've seen the problems they're all the same with mm-hmm. leadership. And so the problem that I really wanted to work with was leadership, not necessarily solving an industry issue. Yeah. So. I think my favorite post I saw you put on Instagram was about I-70. <laughs> I-70, we're always working on it. Yeah. Work on yourself <laughs> as hard as you, as I said, uh, I think, it, I think it was something about yeah. work on yourself as hard as I-70 works on itself, no yeah. matter how inconvenient it is to others. So. I love that. I was like, oh, that was clever. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we've all lived that pain of, work, yeah. of trying to get commuting on I-70, especially between Indianapolis and Knightstown. Somewhere, yes, so. yes. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what you're seeing in leaders today. And I know you mentioned 2020. There's a lot of disruption mm-hmm. for many of us. What would you say you've observed are the biggest challenges facing leaders today? Mm. Well, 
let me step back just one notch when we talk about leaders, mm. right? Because I know that that yeah. can be a touchy situation. I, I think leaders at this point, I'm using the phrase to describe anybody who wants to influence others or who has some sort of desire to bring betterness into the world, right? Yeah. So, uh, and, and so because of that, I also think that there are some key elements that are not just what I would call leadership, but they're just human factors at this point in the journey where mm-hmm. we've all come from and where we're at. But I would say the first one is just an emotional awareness, <laughs> um, being cognizant of the fact that emotions drive almost all of our behaviors. Um, in the work environment specifically, sometimes it's not always been uh, accepted or normalized to be able to feel. It's been productivity focused. Um, now it's exacerbated to some extent because of all the chaos that everyone just went through. And again, the either or mindset jumps into place here because people will say either I feel happy or I feel sad. So at the end of the day, when someone asks you, how are you? Most people answer fine because it's an average between those things, right? Well, fine doesn't drive an emotion uh, or doesn't drive a behavior. Fine isn't even really an emotion. Fine is kind of a state of being, right? Mm -hmm. And when someone gets to a certain point in the hierarchy or a certain point in the organization and they aren't aware of what their emotional state is, what shows up is all of their actions. And they might be more reactive to situations than creative, as an example. They might be, they might be on defense more than they're playing offense. But unless they're able to tap into what is the emotion and they're able to name it, they're not going to be able to control it. What they're going to do is just keep showing up in a way that's probably not creating an optimal motivating environment for others. So I'd say that's probably the first one and just helping leaders recognize I, I have a tool. It's called the wheel of emotion mm-hmm. and it has more than four words on it. It has about 700 words on it wow. and they kind of can say like, I might feel sad, but here's the derivation of how sad actually shows up. Um, I might feel anxious, but here's how anxiety is showing up for me today in the workplace. Did you create that wheel? Oh, no. You can, oh, you <laughs> I can, was like, wow. You can Google it. Just, we will have to do there's that. There's about a thousand different models out there, yeah. but just a simple tool like that helps someone see that there's not just one way of expressing your emotion. Yeah. So. Uh, real quick, Wednesday I asked Ash, how was your day? She said, medium. <laughs> And then after our workout, we said, that was a medium workout. Yeah. So maybe we need that wheel to better describe our emotions. <laughs> uh, funny, funny thing. I have a story on that when I, a friend and I were meeting and, you know, this is a pretty good friend. We're pretty close. And he said, well, how are you? And I said, hmm, I'm going to say that I'm about 65% okay today. Hmm. And he's like, hmm, that's an interesting way to answer that. But when people would, when you answer it more authentically like that, it gives you the chance to express that I have more than one emotion on my plate today. Yeah. Right. To me, that's an example of if we had that kind of authentic leadership, both in our workplaces or our places of worship or wherever it is, people would just relate to each other better because we're all experiencing this random mix of emotions right now. So mm-hmm. I, I think like that's that. the first one. Yeah. Um, I think the second one is this concept. It's a psychological concept, but it's it's what I call splitting. And it is that either or mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, as you gain more experience or you have so many things in your mind, the natural tendency is your brain to split them into the most extreme situations. Either it's black or it's white, right? Um, as an example, or either it's Republican or it's Democrat, whatever yeah. that might happen to be. Um, and in this environment, that's what's happening quicker and quicker and quicker because the world is changing so fast and information is flowing so so dramatically. I mean, CDC guidance changes every day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so here's what 
people naturally do is they put the or in there because that gives them a a decision-making framework and it's quick. What it's also not doing is helping create a third option in there or fourth options or fifth options where there might be derivations of both of those extremes. Um, A story there, I had a leader that I worked with in the workplace and he came to me once and he just kept saying, I'm so tired of splitting the baby. And he was using the biblical example of Solomon saying, you know, it's too difficult. And if we can't figure out the parents of this baby, we're just going to split it. And that forced the real parent to say, no, please don't do that. Right. Mm -hmm. So he was using that example because in the workplace every day, people were bringing him these false dichotomies. And he was feeling like he had to cast an answer. He had to say, well, this is what I think we should do. And always 49% of the people or whatever percentage that was didn't agree with that decision. And when we got to the point of helping him realize that there was probably an and between those things, and he would ask the question, well, how do these things fit together? The team started coming up with brand new answers and it took the weight off his shoulders, right? So Mm -hmm. I think that concept of splitting is really relevant today for a lot of leaders. And they're falling into kind of this... Um, automatic response because information is just coming to them so quickly and they've had to make it, people in the workplace, people at home life, whatever gym owners mm-hmm. have had to make decisions based upon so much stuff coming at them. Do we stay open today or not? Yeah. Right? Do we shutter our sales teams and pull them home or not? But maybe there's an and in both of those things. So you mentioned create, gosh, I can't remember exactly how you said it, but you said the creativity and, and that's kind of what I'm hearing is the black and white, it limits the creativity and the innovation that can happen between those. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, anytime we're making decisions on uh, uh, false assumptions or in short timelines, our creativity just gets limited because we see it as Mm -hmm. opposite extremes sometimes. Yep. So, uh, and I I think the third one that I would say is the thing that's really prevalent for a lot of leaders today is just fear. There's just a lot of healthy fear. Some of it's good and some of it's not so good. But a lot of it is getting connected to who they are as a leader and being willing to say, no matter if I've been in a job for 20 years, no matter if I've been leading this family for 20 years, whatever it is, there's a different way of leading today. And if they can get comfortable with that, they can get comfortable stepping into it. But it's that disruption phase, the fear that comes with me being willing to disrupt um, that really holds people back because they're just holding on and doing it the way that they know has worked in the past. But we've just the, the axis has kind of pivoted in the earth right now. And what has worked in the past is probably not going to get us to where we need to be in the future. So people really are wanting to stay the same when what we need to do is start embracing what do we need to do to go ahead, get ahead. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, I love <laughs> it. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, I think by hearing some of these challenges, I know for me it's comforting and <laughs> what some of us have experienced. You talk about emotions and feelings and understanding that you're not alone if you have experienced some of these scenarios that you've talked about, these challenges. Hopefully there's some some characteristics, some skills we can develop that can help us overcome those. So if you were to say, what are if you were to identify some key characteristics that help leaders be successful, and I want to go back and double click on when we say leaders, that does not mean you have to have a title or be a manager. Anyone who wants to influence others have followers, make a difference. That's what we're talking about. So what are some of those key characteristics that help leaders be successful that you've seen? Yeah. Oh my goodness. This is a great question. Um, I think, you know, every one of us has a title, like we're all human, right? Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. We have a title of a human being on the planet at this point in time. So because of that title, we're all leaders. That's kind of my philosophy of life, right? And then you have secondary titles, mother, father, husband, brother, whatever it might be. But so with that, I don't think that there is, you know, so many people want the brass or the, 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 the gold ring and say, here's exactly the formula that I need to follow to be a good leader. Um, the biggest thing that I think is if people can tap into their authenticity, right, and get connected to who they are and lead out of that, then their resiliency goes way up, right? Because they, they, they can bounce through some of the difficulties rather than saying, I'm going off the path. Mm-hmm. Um, if I give them a formula, then they're going to follow the formula only to realize that this may have worked for someone else, but not for them. So that's the biggest definition of, of what I think coaching brings out of people and helps them do that. But in reality is if they can also, no matter if you lead a family, you lead a gym, you coach teenagers, whatever it happens to be that you can create the space for other people to, uh, to tap into them, to themselves, right? And I think that's the biggest key. I, I heard one of your previous podcasts was about, you know, and that the need for trust and leading without a title. I do think that people, if they tap into the, the, be, the ability to create space for other people, to feel, to connect, to understand themselves and help them become a leader in their own right, they will generate a tremendous following and a tremendous amount of trust. So I, I think it's between those things. It's know yourself and then create the space to help other people know themselves. Um, yep. That's what the best leaders do. And it's not about how often they have feedback sessions or how many times that they've taken someone out to dinner. And I see so many workplaces even today trying to buy employees engagement by saying, we'll give you more creature comforts or we're going to put something else in the workplace that's going to matter to you. And that that's all good. But if the space isn't there for them to actually become actualized, you might use, I just don't think that that stuff is going to buy long-term employee engagement. That's going to buy temporary satisfaction, but it's not going to buy their heart. So. Yep. That makes me think of Patrick Lencioni and the leader being vulnerable first yep. to build trust and that vulnerability Patrick Lencioni and Brene Brown are going through my head when it comes to what you're talking about, that authenticity and making space for that. And oftentimes as the leader, it's helpful if you are willing to go first. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about some, some quick tips around habits and routines that leaders practice that helps, helps keep them. You talked about emotions, helps keep leaders in a healthy state. What are some of those routines or habits. I know I've heard from a lot of our leaders, they're just swamped. You know, they're, they're not eating good. They're not exercising. They're, they feel like they're constantly just, you know, doing something for someone else. Mm -hmm. So what, what are some tips around that, that you would, you've seen, or you've, you've coached people on? Yeah. And again, I, I, so many people will want the formula, like what should I be eating? How many days should I be exercising? Right. And all of those come with a should right? Mm -hmm. Should, should, should. And so when I hear that from a client and they're constantly saying, well, I should work out, I should eat, I should, I should sleep more. I I mean, kind of pejoratively, but I ask the question, why are you shitting on yourself? Right? Yeah. Because if you should be doing that, you, you know that, but you're not doing that. So let's dive into it. Right. And Mm -hmm. I I just think there's a, there's one of the principles or one of the the key success factors I've seen is just having a set of healthy boundaries. Mm -hmm. Um, but that has to come with, knowing your values and then knowing what your values mean to you and how you want to express those and then put a boundary around it. And boundaries are like fences. They keep things in and they keep things out. Right. But 
so many people, I think we've we've kind of over-indexed maybe on the servant leadership. I, I prefer to say servant leadership with boundaries mm-hmm. because if not, what I see is people giving, 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 and then they go home at night and they have nothing else to give. They don't give to themselves, they don't give to their families, and they don't give to their communities because all day long they've been told they need to be a servant leader at work. But you can't constantly deplete yourself. So if three minutes a day in meditation helps you become a more whole person, you put a fence around that because it keeps things out, right? And if that's what you need to do, that may not be what I need to do, but that's what brings you joy. That was what brings you life. Um, so I just try to tap into what is that value that the leader wants? And then what does that look like for them to be filled? Mm-hmm. Um, meditation, journaling, writing, those are all great things, but they're not a prescription for any one person. So, um, Again, I think emotional awareness is also something that great leaders can practice and get better at. Just being able to name them, like putting that, that emotion wheel out there and letting them see that there's more than six words to name emotions um, probably is an eye-opener to many people because they realize they felt that way. They just didn't know how to put a word to it. And when you put a word to it, you can control it. But if you don't put a word to it, it controls you. So I think that's probably also a... If I'm going to give a recipe, it's like tap into what you're feeling because it drives almost every action that you you have. So I, don't, I know we're looking at the same Google Doc, and I made a note in here: Google the emotions yeah. wheel because you better believe I'm going to be looking at that. Because uh, you're right, I think having a label uh, sometimes that's what we need. We just don't know how else to describe things. So I'm excited yeah. about looking into that. So I, I think a big trap that leaders also fall into. I put this as my third bullet point was like just creating the space for reflection. Um, in today's hectic world, like it seems self-indulgent for me to take five minutes at the beginning of my day to think through what do I want to get done? It seems self-indulgent maybe at the end of the day to take 10 minutes and say, what did I do? Um, how am I feeling? Um, and to me, that's, that's really the value of coaching is in those moments, I'm not providing much, but what I am providing is the space for them to get comfortable with what they know they, what is true to them right then. Um, so we, we handle a lot of questions, a lot of fears, a lot of anxieties, but I'm not, I'm not a therapist to them. I'm not sitting there giving them recommendations on how to solve this. But when they have that space to reflect, um, it's a little bit like the analogy on the airplane. You put your own oxygen mask on first before you assist other passengers. And that reflection space is that oxygen mask to them. But if they're always going around assisting other passengers, pretty soon their oxygen runs out. So mm-hmm the one hour every other week that we may have together, that's the space. It's almost sacred space where they can come, they can show up, they can feel, they can emote. But at the end of that, I'm going to provoke them to say, what are you going to do with this? And how are you going to be a better human at the end of this call than you were at the beginning? Mm -hmm. That's the value that coaching provides. Um, And many people will come back and say, gosh, I feel like I did this all myself. And I'm like, if coaching works well, you did do it all yourself because I'm not helping. I'm not telling you what to do. You told yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's good to set expectations because I'm sure a lot of people think that my coach is going to tell me what to do. Yeah. They're going to they're going to fix my problems for me. But coaches, really good coaches, ask really good questions. It's a it's a big yeah. distinction because um, as an example, a good sales manager has probably been a salesperson and they can tell you what to do in your job to be a really good salesperson. And that's that's healthy. And that's mm-hmm. also coaching. Um but in many cases, especially in the space that I fit in, I've never been a vice president of oncology development. 
I've never been in charge of an R&D organization. I've never been a woman leading in this environment, right? So I can't tell them this is what you should do because my experience isn't relevant to them. What is relevant to them is their experience. And particularly at a certain point in a person's journey, training isn't going to really elevate that thought process too much because they have enough education. It just has come in the school of hard knocks. Um, So coaching will help them put that into some sort of framework or language for themselves that makes their experience repurposable to others. Mm -hmm. And that's what will then ignite their leadership journey is because now they can teach other people the framework by which they're becoming a better human too. So I love it. I'm just picturing like a match igniting. (laughs) (laughs) Great word choice. Uh, Anything else around routines, habits, tips there? Mm. I don't think so. I think, I mean, you know, if, if people could do those three things, you know, Mm -hmm. just have healthy boundaries, have the great sense of emotional awareness, and finally just creating their space for reflection of those things, I think we'd have a lot better workplace, a lot better world. Yes. A lot less fighting. So I agree. A lot more empathy, (laughs) understanding. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm going to think back a a few questions ago, you talked about how you have a coach. And one of the things that I've observed in some of the, the community I've talked to is having a coach. Some people feel like I have a coach if there's something wrong with me Mm -hmm. and I can fix this on my own. And, and even, I mean, here you are, you do this professionally, you have a coach and I love that you even mentioned sometimes having a coach is about reserving that time to reflect. So when should someone seek out a coach and and what benefits would come from that? Why, mm-hmm. why should someone do that? <laughs> what a rich question. Um, I, I know it sounds like I'm using the same answer, but it's individual for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some tenets that are probably true for most. It's when, you're, when you're finding yourself really reactive, or you're finding yourself overly reactive in some cases. Um, And you probably know that yourself to be true when you're starting to get a little bit cynical or you're pointing the finger outward more than inward. You're looking at the world as your problems, not you making decisions to help your problems go away. Um, I think there's a pretty healthy sign that you, you might have waited too long to find a coach. When you're in that place of being a little bit uncertain or unsure, or you're tapping into something that, evokes a little bit of fear. Maybe it's a really big project you're getting ready to take on, or maybe it's a new assignment that you've just assumed. Um, But maybe it's also that the world just shut down and the pandemic hit and you don't know how to pivot and create action because you've never been through that yourself. Um, I think all of those are good examples of when someone says, okay, it's not therapy I need. Therapy is kind of retrospective and we're looking into the past and we're trying to figure out to make sense of what has gone on so that I can re- adjust and make some life changes differently because of that past. And in coaching, we're looking at more proactive stuff, what's coming in the future. Now, certainly your past informs that and we need to look into that. But what we're not doing is putting a diagnosis to it or giving you a prescription to move forward. Um, The difference there is going to be that someone is going to come to a coaching environment ready to do the work. They're going to come to a coaching environment prepared to say, I need to get better. Um, so much of the work that might happen in a therapy or a counseling situation is someone coming to that realization that things aren't right and I need to get better, but I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. When you're in this coaching space, it's when someone really says, okay, like I, I'm not broken, but I'm not as good as I could be. I certainly have shadow work that's probably holding me back. I have some fear. I have some anxiety and I just need to get comfortable with that. 
but they're going to come to me with a pretty clear intention of what they want to get done. But they may not know that. So usually the first thing that we do is just a values clarification and kind of a setting of expectations. What do you want from this? Mm -hmm. Let's imagine a year from now, we're walking on a beach and you just told me you had the best year ever. What, what, What happened in that year? And we'll do some of that visioning so that they can back into like, yeah, this is what I want to work on. Then every interaction probably evolves slightly differently. Like sometimes the thing they want to work on might be directly aligned to that. Like they said, I want to be a better leader at work. And this week we're going to talk about a work topic. But a lot of times if I want to be a better leader at work, it's because I'm not feeling so good about what's going on at home or I'm not feeling so good about how I'm leading my family or I'm volunteering for my community. And so maybe the thing they want to come that week is here's the challenge that I had in my community. Can we just talk through this and how I can show up differently? And we'll do that because ultimately that leads them to their ultimate output. So I would say that's what brings people to coaching. That's when they should seek it out. Um, but it, it's very unique for each individual. Like uh, you mentioned that the I-70 post, I put that on on LinkedIn. I just expected it to be a funny. And I got so many calls from that. Like just yeah. people saying, I'm not working on myself enough. Yep. Um, I put another post out there recently about just how kind of the great resignation is starting to happen where maybe people haven't officially left their job, but they're burnt out and they're thinking about leaving their job. But the key to that is a good leader who can make the difference in their work environment. So it's not without hope. We don't just have to let these people walk out the door. It's I, as a leader, have to get better. When I put that on Instagram or on LinkedIn, so many people gave me a call and said that that pierced me in the heart because I know I'm not leading the way that I should. Um, it's just small things like that, that kind of shake people into that disruption phase when they're like, okay, I know I got to get better, but I don't know how. Everyone is going to go follow you on LinkedIn (laughs) and Instagram. Tell us where can they follow you? What should they search? Yeah. uh, Conjunction leadership um, is the business name. You can find that on on LinkedIn. You can also find it on Instagram. You can find it on Facebook. Um, Or if you just want to follow me, my business pages are all linked to me as well. So um, Jim Bishop on LinkedIn, um, Jim Bishop on uh, Instagram and also on Facebook. Uh, Any final thoughts that you want to share as we come to a close? Yeah. Well, you had asked me the question, like, what is what does this all mean? What's the legacy behind it? And what's the purpose? What's the intent? But I just I just have to believe like I, I believe in a place where we we don't just work like we just make the world better. And sometimes that's through our work. Right. So what what really fuels me if I. You know, I know this is probably Pollyanna or utopic or whatever you want to say, and it may not happen in my lifetime. But if if the environments that I work in can help develop the whole person and a whole person mentality there, um, whether that's at home or whether that's in the business context, um, that's really what fuels me is because I see so many people following some sort of formula and saying this is where happiness ends. And if they could just realize that it's really not the formula that brings that. It's how they bring themselves to the situation. And so whole person development, the way the world works, um, the way the corporate workplaces work, I just think that we've lost our way in some of that. And work can be a place where we're actually feeling like we fit and we matter and we make a difference. But sometimes our structures just don't let us do that. Mm-hmm. So that's what fuels me. Um, I, I guess it's probably Pollyanna. And But if if I got tired of working in environments where sometimes the best of intentions would get all messed up. And at the end of the day, people said, at least I got paid. Yep. Yep. 
when you've been in that long enough, you know there's something more. And and I think one of the key takeaways for me as you've talked is just the power of coaching. And like you said, it's individualized whether you need it or not. But what I'm hearing is there's a lot of power in that. And especially to get to that place of purpose in how you're spending your time at, at work and at home. Uh, Jim, thank you so much for joining us. Really excited. I mean, I like, like we said before, we could do multiple podcasts on lots of different topics. Maybe we will. Uh, <laughs> for sure. Uh, we are all going to go follow your amazing Instagram and LinkedIn post because they're getting lots of traction here. Uh, definitely making us think. If you're looking for a coach, uh, I highly advocate for Jim and his resources and his business. So go check it out. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining and we will talk to you next time. Thank you, Vic. Thank you.